Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. It is now time for episode number 79. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, joined by this awesome guy, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, what's up? What's going on? Episode 79. In today's episode, we're going to continue our longevity series, but this time taking coming from a different angle. We're going to talk a little bit about the microbiome poop, that kind of thing. And so if uh, you're interested in remaining young, then you better learn how to keep your microbiome young. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Goes hand in hand, doesn't it? So before we get there, you... We didn't have an episode this last week because you were on a trip. I was on a trip. I had the wonderful opportunity to take my daughter to San Diego for the Hardcourt National Tennis Championships, and she did great, and her and I were together in San Diego. I get why people like that city. That was nice. We did. The weather was fantastic. We were... Um, swimming around we were paddle boarding she had a great run in the, in the tennis tournament super proud of that we had some great food it's a cool city you know it's a subtle joke but you know an anchor man whenever uh brick tamlin played by uh, steve carell you notice on the weather map it's just wallpaper numbers <laughs> the, the temperature's permanently the same all year round i forgot that yeah stay classy san diego <laughs> Well, I'm glad you all had a great trip. It's really cool. And I know that you always enjoy getting to go out of town with your kiddos. And I'm sure that uh, knowing you and Carla together, you all had a blast. So, yeah, we did some stuff like, um, what was the name of that place? Oh, yeah. So we were taking an Uber uh-huh. to go to a Mediterranean restaurant that was recommended by somebody from here. And while we were taking the Uber there, the guy's like, oh, this is so exciting. You know, I've been in San Diego my whole life. He's like, after you get done eating there, you have to go get ice cream. And of course, my daughter just lights up at a place called... Uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Salt and straw. It was salt and straw. And salt so, and straw. Yeah. yeah. So we, it, it was, a, everything was in Little Italy. And so it was just great. And so we go have this incredible Mediterranean meal and it was just fun and it was great. Had oysters and bone marrow and cool Ooh, stuff like that. I yeah. love that. And then of course she's like, it's time for salt and straw. And then we <laughs> walk over there and there's a line out the door and I'm like, oh, words out. And then we get in line and they're all locals. That's start nice. talking to everybody. They're like, oh, yeah, you heard about it. Yeah, and it was really cool. They have like, well, they have like bone marrow ice cream and things like that, just super crazy flavors. Oh, bone marrow ice cream? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So Is we it, got- And it's beef bone marrow ice cream, I didn't right? get that one. I, okay. Yes, I, I don't know, but it was just, it gives you an idea of the eclectic nature of That's how they really do this. That's really cool. And it's called salt and straw because they end up making these things savory sweet. Almost yeah. everything is savory sweet. And so we ended up getting some ice cream, sitting down like right there in Little Italy, just- I found a little patch of AstroTurf and just watched people walk by. It was super crowded. And it was just a great experience. You know, those are the kind of memories where you're like sitting here, 10 p.m., having ice cream with my daughter in San Diego and chilling. It was cool. Dude, that's actually awesome. That's yeah. a good trip. How about you? Woo, man, where do I start? Well, right. first of all, you don't have a brace on. You're moving your arm fantastic. How many weeks out from surgery? Uh, five weeks. Five Jeez. weeks. Rotator from rotator cuff. cuff. Yeah, so again... We've mentioned his name multiple times. Huge shout out to Dr. Wade McKenna. Not only a great orthopedist, uh, I mean, he's 
he's an awesome stem cell expert, period. Yeah, but you're, yeah, people are going to contact him now and they're like, I want my rotator cuff and be ready to go in five weeks. He's going to be like, okay, that's Eric. So five weeks. Y'all <laughs> saw me just uh, three weeks ago still with the uh, brace in, hands all the way up to the That's back. crazy. Like you have more mobility now than you almost did before. This is nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it really does. It feels good. The it's There's no pain. There hasn't been pain. It's just soreness. You know, you're... You're working the deltoid strength back out. You kind of, kind of stinks. You watch your body atrophy a little bit because you can't move like you normally want to. So, um, but uh, I, I will say this: I stuck heavily to consuming Altrontil uh, religiously, like I, I normally do. But my diet was clean. I've gotten good rest uh, to support, you know, healing, etc. I don't drink anyway, so that was e- easy to avoid alcohol. But all of the things that we talk about on this show and what we talk about with our patients to reduce inflammation, I've stuck with. I've eaten large amounts of salmon throughout the weeks, you know, to make certain that I've got the, the omega-3s, et cetera. And I think it's possible that this is paying off because I have gone to literally two physical therapy sessions so far, and they're already thinking that I only have one more to go. From a rotator cuff. From That's rotator crazy. Cuff. Yeah. That is awesome. This Saturday, taking uh, Mac, moving Mac out to college. And uh, he's moving out to tech to join his brother. So it's very, very exciting. Um, he's moving into the dorm. His, um, his brother's really pumped to get his brother into in, the same town. And speaking of his older brother, I don't know if I've said this on the air yet, but I'm going to be a granddad. Whoa! Yes, that's right. Congratulations. I am so excited. I cannot wait. That is awesome. It won't happen until uh, the spring, but uh, Gage and, and uh, soon-to-be mom are really excited. She is a lovely, lovely girl, always has been, and uh, we, I, I couldn't be happier. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Everybody's pumped. That is awesome. So there's, there's, a, there's a few things happening. That is so cool. Um, well... So we've, we've got a little bit to dive into to continue our longevity series. So in episode number 79, I think that we can go back, what, four episodes so far? We've talked about the aspects of longevity. And so now we're in episode number 79, and we've got another facet. But before we get there, we've received lots of email, not only in regards to Autron Teal, but Ken, did you know a lot of people already know about our newly released Autron Teal Pro? Yeah, so a lot of people have been calling the office asking for Autron Teal Pro, and we do have an episode on that. I don't remember what episode it is, but to sum it up, what we did is we realized, and we're going to get into that today, so we're going to re-reference this, but basically Autron Teal Pro uses a combination of three spore-based biotics that Mother Nature has really perfected this because it has enzymes in it that helps break down the large polyphenols in Atron Teal so you can get the most benefit with the most metabolites. I'll explain what all that means as we go on through the episode. Two small things. Um, one, this is only available from healthcare providers. Correct. So that's quite unique uh, to do that. Second, um, unless you don't, unless you want to address it later, spore biotics and, and the difference between probiotics. So number one, since healthcare providers are the only one that can get this, what can we tell people who will listen to the Gut Check Project? Well, so I am a healthcare provider, and so I am the only healthcare provider, the only way to actually get Atrontil Pro where you can just order it. If you just go to kbmdhealth.com, go to the shop, you can actually get Atrontil Pro. I was doing telemedicine all morning and sending my patients over there. They were getting really excited because they don't have to go through a different website or a different doctor to get this. So. And, and, and just uh, in practice, 
this one doesn't necessarily eliminate the need for the regular. Not at all. In fact, what we're seeing is this beautiful combination of using Atrantil to help with uh, if you have SIBO, bloating, things like that. You do a full course of that. And then I use Atrantil on the regular for whenever I'm eating anything that has gluten. I kind of view the Atrantil Pro as your baseline. So that's my digestive supplement, so to speak, knowing that it's going to improve my microbial diversity. It's going to improve my uh, metabolites from my microbiome. And we are seeing incredible results with my patients. So many of my patients that were on Atrantil are now calling on the regular saying, okay, I want to take this. How do I? And so we're, we're finding a way that we can say this is daily. This is uh, acute situations and as needed for these people that have already been very familiar with Atrantil. So if you'd like to acquire your own Atrantil Pro, you'll probably notice that uh, on Atrantil website, only Atrantil is available. Pro is going to be available through physicians or healthcare providers only. And since we have a healthcare provider here on the show, you can go to kbmdhealth.com. And just like Ken said, go to the shop and you will find your very own Atrantil Pro. And look for promotions throughout the time. But right now, while it's kind of a hot item, there just really isn't a lot because it's a incredibly scarce. I, th- I mean, honestly, I just don't think we made enough. So. Might leave us in the first run. Yeah, we're trying to make sure that we, it's, yeah, we're trying to make sure we don't run out because we, uh, we, we didn't realize how successful it would be. As oh, we if you're up. a healthcare provider, oh, uh, yeah. Emerson, uh, and Emerson Ecologics, full script, uh, and uh, well, then, then it's going to be whole script also. Whole script also. And if you just wish to be your own distributor, either just email the show or you can contact Autrontil uh, at autrontil.com and let them know that you're a healthcare provider and you, would like to feature Atron Teal Pro. Okay. I think that's enough promo uh, for now. So yeah. Why don't you get into it? Well, let's jump in. All right. So I will be honest. Today we're going to be talking about poop. Not really poop, but more the complex symphony of bacteria living in your colon. This is something that I'm extremely passionate about. We've talked about different references on the show. And as we started going into this longevity topic, I did not realize how important the microbiome was. I always thought that the microbiome was important for your day-to-day health. But from a longevity standpoint, meaning if you want to live long, you got to make sure that your microbiome doesn't get old. Because when your microbiome gets old, you get old. And that's what the whole episode is about. So spoiler alert, I'm going to lean on you because I'm going to get pretty sciencey at times. And if you're the kind of person that doesn't like the science, uh, basically it's this, don't let your microbiome get old or you get old. The rest of the show is explaining how to prevent that from happening, why it's going on and what you can do. Okay, let's go. All right. So this is another segment in our longevity series or what I'm going to call the health span series, because it's not just about living long. It's about living healthy and long. Aging is cells get old. That's something that we know. And this is going to lead to functional and mental decline. You see ads everywhere. We've discussed this, that as so many people are trying to talk about how to live longer, but nobody's talking about this really key point, which is the microbiome. In prior episodes, we talked about some really cool stuff. Just to recap, if you want to look back at these other episodes, we got into some really cool cellular pathways, like the mTOR pathway, the sirtuin pathway, the AMPK, IGF-1. All that sounds really fancy, but we broke it down in that one episode. We talked about fasting and how this influences autophagy, mitochondrial changes, and DNA repair. That we went into in tremendous detail, but today we're going to talk about this new angle. 
even I follow a lot of people and, and read a lot of books and stuff, even, you know, the people that are in the space like Peter Atia and mm-hmm. Rhonda Patrick, mm-hmm. they're never discussing the microbiome. So I kind of feel like we're here to blaze this new trail, which is y'all better start talking about the microbiome because you're missing this really, really key point. And that's what we want to get into. The right. microbiome. Let's do it. Microbiome. Right. So some facts and trivias here. Your microbiota, which is all the bacteria in your body, is composed of close to 2,200 species, and it totals over 100 trillion bacteria. But the term microbiome wasn't coined until 2001. And what the microbiome is, it's all the genes in these bacteria. It's the genetic component of these genes and how they interact with our genes. In fact, our microbiota, in other words, the microbes in our body, encode more than 150-fold more genes than we have in the human genome. So, essentially... It's its own organ, and nobody's talked about it like that before. You have an organ living within you called your microbiome. Those genes interact with your genes. In fact, human genes, you and I, are 99.9% identical genetically. Right. But we could have a 90% difference in our microbiome. And it makes a different person. And it makes a different person. Yeah. And it makes a different health. And so, like, when you sit there and look at that and go, oh, well, I don't get it. Why is this person like this? And why is this person like this if we're 99% the same? It could possibly be because you have 90% difference in microbiome. You are aging rapidly. You are developing cancer. You are debilitated. You are 102 years old. You have a young microbiome and you're enjoying life and getting this health span. So the question is, how does this organ, I'm going to refer to it as an organ now, how does your microbiome interact with other organs in your body? And this was a fascinating, I went into deep rabbit holes on this, but to kind of sum it up, the microbiome influences the brain and the brain influences the microbiome. The microbiome influences the immune system directly and the immune system influences the the microbiome and the brain. Mm -hmm. And so you have this multi-directional crosstalk between the brain, the microbiome and the immune system. And it's always interacting that way. And if you, if you really want to look at this, how does this relate to aging? The key here is that you have to have a broad microbial diversity, meaning you got to have the right microbiome. So simply put, as we age, the microbiome or the microbiota become less diverse. And in a gross way to think about it, your good bacteria decrease and your non-beneficial, or let's call them bad bacteria, Mm -hmm. increase. Mm -hmm. So this is what's happening in the microbiome. Now, take a step back and go, well, what is aging? I already said it's cellular senescence or cells get old, Mm -hmm. but really aging happens all over the body. We know that if our microbiome gets older, we age. So as we get older, the diversity decreases. And we have less beneficial bacteria and more pathogenic species. This thrives in an aging body. So keep this in mind. This biggest shift happens around age 60. So we get to the point where we're age 60 and all of a sudden our microbiome really kind of starts narrowing and uh, you have less beneficial bacteria, more harmful bacteria. And also around age 60, if you talk to any other physician 
or anybody in science, they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Around age 60 is when we start seeing cardiovascular disease, when we start seeing the biggest problem with diabetes, when we really start seeing, you know, obesity issues start happening. You start having changes in your muscles like sarcopenia and things. So let's just real quick to kind of catch everybody up in case anybody else happens to be slipping, but would it be fair to characterize this narrowing as a lack of diversity? A lot, just a pure lack of diversity throughout the microbiome itself. You're saying that the ones that happen to be the less favorable, ba- favorable bacteria begin to thrive in this microbiome. So ultimately, they, you could then assume that they are more or less kind of over-colonizing the real estate within the microbiome. Is that correct? Yes. So essentially, for whatever reason, as we age, the microbiome diversity comes down and you lose the beneficial bacteria. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of makes you wondering like really what's going on like is it chicken or the egg are we aging because our microbiome or because we age it affects our microbiome probably a little bit of both well let's get into it okay so what is really interesting is that it may not even be about the microbiome per se it's about what the microbiome does with what we give it okay the metabolites right so everything comes down to the metabolites whether you know it or not when you eat something and it's a, a polyphenol or fiber your bacteria break that down into beneficial things. And we've talked about this before where those beneficial things work to help your body. And this is some of the things that, that people are looking at now. It's all about the metabolites. Everything is coming down to these metabolites, these postbiotics. The bacteria will break down the food. And if you don't have the right microbiome, then even the food you eat, you may not be getting the benefit. If you don't have the right microbiome, the supplements that you think are good for you may not be doing anything. So that's some terminology, too, that I know that we've used a few times, but I've noticed finally it's starting to be picked up a little bit more. Um, a lot of people know about probiotics. And it seemed like not long, not too long ago, prebiotics began to be kind of a more ubiquitous term. But now we really are starting to hear about postbiotics. And all of these are legitimate terms, but they happen to be key points on what affects overall your health. And the postbiotics are the metabolites, as you said, that are basically produced by the microbiome as they've broken down the food or whatever's been delivered to the colon. And these are the beneficial products that are shipped through your bloodstream to all of your organs and tissues, correct? Exactly. So everything comes down to why this microbiome, the genes that are there, if you have the right microbiome, what you feed it can help you by producing these metabolites. So what do you think are some of the most important uh, postbiotics that we should we should know? Like butyrate, urolithin, what other ones would you say? All of the above. Uh-huh. And let's talk. Let's talk a little science now. Let's go ahead and reference some of the studies that have happened recently okay. with right. this. So there was a study in 2021 in Gut Microbes. That was a journal that showed across multiple different animal species and humans, as we age, we lose beneficial bacteria, and this is directly linked to the lack of metabolites, which is now causing obesity inflammation, cancer, and cardiovascular disease. So in this study, they looked at both animals and humans, and they went, oh, when you have a narrow diversity, you have less metabolites, and then once those metabolites start decreasing, we start seeing all these disease processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The really interesting thing is the one thing that was unique to a particular group that seems to maintain a higher proportion of good bacteria is the supercentenarians. Those above the age of 90, actually, if you make it past 90, Typically, you're fairly healthy. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because you've made it that far. Mm -hmm. And when they looked at their stool, they realized their microbiome is like that of a much younger person. Okay. So did they become 90 um, because of the microbiome or was it just because they had the, their own personal genes, let them get to 90, that they have a nice microbiome. Like you start looking at it, but the, what's really wild is that that group that was over the age of 90, they noticed one thing. Those people had a a distinct increase in beneficial bacteria called acromancia. Mm-hmm. So acromancia then became this hot topic based off of studies like this. So every, everybody started talking about acromancia. And in, uh, there was a study published in 2021 in clinical reviews, allergy and immunology. What they were trying to look at is what is the relationship with immune memory in aging? And what they were trying to do is, what does the microbiota do in relation to the brain, metabolism, and epigenetics? Their conclusion is, they basically focused on the fact that those that had lots of acromancia seemed to do better, and how it protected the gut-brain barrier, it enhanced antibody response, Mm -hmm. it enhanced T-cell activity, and improved insulin sensitivity, mainly through its metabolite, Butyrate. Urate. Okay. So you were getting at the fact, like, what are the important metabolites? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's lots of really important metabolites, sure. but it's funny how trends in science tend to follow each other. So right. one paper leads to another paper leads to another paper. And this is what happened in this case. These guys in the allergy world looked at something over here in the gut microbiome world and they went, wait a minute. Well, let's look at the brain and the immune system and let's see if there's something in that microbiome. And what they determined was that it came down to the metabolites and specifically butyrate. So butyrate is kind of interesting. And I don't know this for certain because a lot of this is still kind of uh, by comparison, primitive science, I guess, is they're trying to discern all of the activity that all of these postbiotics would, would take throughout the body. But I have read where some people have said, why is butyrate the one that seems to be the most important or perceived as one of the most important ones? And I don't know this for sure, but if I read it correctly, there is at least a hypothesis that not only does it have direct action, but it might actually be a cofactor in how well other ones work. Is that kind of how you understand it? I think that there's, a, there's probably a little more complex than that. I mean, the way that I kind of think about it, um, do you know who the lead singer of Maroon 5 is? Oh, uh, they got the tattoos on his arms. Uh, he's... I know he's on all of those uh, selective singer shows. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't remember his name. It's Adam Levine. Okay, there you go. Uh, can you tell me the other four members or five members? I think there's five members of Maroon 5. So I didn't get the most important <laughs> one. <laughs> well, I only bring that up because you say, why is Butorite always talked about? It's like the lead singer of a band. Like people just, people remember that one, but there's at least six short chain fatty acids that are produced. And there's scientists that are over there shouting. They're like, man, propionate's just as good. Doesn't get any credit. He's, you know, without propionate, the butyrate doesn't work as well. Yeah. Without, a, with, without a good bass guitarist, yeah. the, the lead singer. So anyways, these things I do think play a much more interconnected role. But right now, butyrate is the one that everybody seems to love. And that's why they're going into that. So yeah. butyrate. I think it's the easiest thing to look at where on the surface, it's the lead singer. Okay. Let's put it that way. So bottom line is once bacteria get fed polyphenols or fiber, then they start to break down complex polyphenols to be correct on that because the more complex it is, the more that they can produce these metabolites. Um, It actually produces butyrate. And once butyrate is produced locally, 
it starts healing the gut wherever it's at. And it does this by improving the intestinal barrier or stopping leaky gut, which is super important to stop inflammation. So even on a local level, it starts doing that. Then it gets absorbed and it starts going around the body. First place that it can actually go is through the vagus nerve to the brain, Mm -hmm. where butyrate shows up at the brain and starts looking at these microglial cells and different inflammatory components and just calms everything down there. And it actually decreases inflammation in the brain, which allows the brain to then increase positive neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. I just want to highlight that, I mean, we have talked a lot on this show about the gut-brain axis. I mean, and this is literally an illustration of one, just one example of why this is so critically important that a good gut health turns into great mental health or could lead to better mental health anyway. Absolutely. And so once you start having the inflammation go down, then your brain can do its job and produce proper amounts of serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. Mm -hmm. And what does that lead to? That actually leads to improved memory that leads to better social behavior and all these other things that are completely necessary. So a lot of times if you're suffering from anxiety and I'll go so far as to say, you know, extremes of anything, depression, it's, um, it is possible that inflammation is preventing your brain from producing the proper endogenous neurotransmitters. Sure. So, so while it's doing that, so, all right, it's healing the gut locally, goes to the brain, starts helping the brain out. And then at the exact same time, it goes throughout the immune system and it helps to regulate neutrophils, monocytes, and T regulatory cells. In other words, what it does is it makes sure that there's an appropriate inflammatory response, not the chronic inflammation that takes place so often that causes disease. Right. So butyrate is easy to follow where it it goes, oh wow, remember that access I was talking about? Gut brain, immune system, butyrate is the first thing that kind of bounces around and helps all three of those. So it's so popular right now that I've actually seen companies are trying to sell acromancia probiotics <laughs> to help raise butyrate. And that's what they're saying. So if you get a, if you get a, you're flipping through Instagram and you see a reel about a company that has, you know, acromancia, the one uh, probiotic to increase butyrate, that's not true. There's actually a lot of different bacteria that probably produce butyrate. But here's the thing. There's been no studies that have actually shown that taking acromancia will even allow it to survive to the point where it can get to the colon, where then it can start breaking down the food that you need to create, to create butyrate. I got a little nauseous when I was like reading some of these ads and I'm, oh, I made the mistake. I was like, you know, I'm new to social media. And so I'm flipping through Instagram and I click on a reel. And so now, I mean, I clicked on the probiotic, and so now I'm just a probiotic magnet. I get every ad possible. Every other thing is just oh, because a, you interact with the probiotic. I, because I interacted with that, but I only interacted because I want to see what they were saying. And you know, the overall, and I'm not bashing on any company at all. I'm just saying that I get why they think they're like, oh my gosh, listen to those guys. See, they're totally saying the thing that I told you all along, butyrate's yeah. the way to go. But the problem is the acromancia cannot produce butyrate until it gets to the colon with its colleagues, yeah. other good bacteria, and then you have to feed it. Sure. So then it can produce the butyrate. Yeah. So just saying I'm going to take acromancia and I'm going to have more butyrate, it's not true. You're going to, the acromancia is going to get destroyed in the stomach and the pancreatic juices and small bowel. So it all comes down to the fundamental of making sure that you have the right microbial ratio and you feed it the right things. So the key is to 
just make sure you have the right balance of the good and the bad bacteria. And acromancia will flourish in its own spot. But acromancia is not the only one that produces butyrate. We're learning all the time that there are others. And there has to be this beautiful balance. Mother Nature always seems to do it better. Yeah, sure. And also, I think it's kind of cool that you're highlighting that uh, just because you take something orally doesn't mean it's going to get to the, to the desired destination and intact and functional. Uh, that in, inherently is the limitation of just traditional probiotics on the surface. Yeah. So, and we can get into that at a different time. Yeah. That's kind of a whole separate topic, but it's definitely a, a hot topic. Uh, so when you don't have the proper ratio, when you have, let's just think of it this way, too little good, too much bad, there's a term for it. It's called dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. That's a term that a lot of patients look up on the internet, dysbiosis. That's a functional medicine term that's, that's being used a whole lot. So basically when you develop dysbiosis, your ratio's off. This leads to leaky gut, which then turns on uh, uh, chronic immune response. Inflammation everywhere. Inflammation. We're getting back to that thing, which now people, people in this space are now coining a term called inflammaging. You age because of inflammation. Yeah. Inflammaging. And there was an article in the Reviews of Gastroenterology and Hepatology just April 2022. Mm-hmm. And it showed that age-related symptoms like frailty, and these are, these are their words. I, I think it's funny. They, <laughs> so, like, like, I don't know how. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like they're doing this study, and they're just like, hey, hey, is that person frail? Frail. <laughs> what a funny descriptor. I know. I thought it was hilarious. But, like, they were, but they were very proud of it. They're like, we have determined that frailty is a cause. But anyways. It's like being frustrated with someone and saying they have a failure to thrive. You're like, what does that mean? I know. All right. So anyways, in this article that just got published, it showed that age-related symptoms like frailty, <laughs> uh, reduced physical activity, which I think is kind of a redundant statement. If you're frail, yeah. you've got reduced physical activity yeah. as it is. But anyways. He's tired. He's yeah. also not very awake. <laughs> I know. I'm going to start using frail when I meet people. It's just like, I'll say, I, we have to go to the office later. I'm going to see Mike and be like, hey, Mike, what's going on? You're looking frail. Yeah, your, your activity is quite obtuse. <laughs> um, in, in addition to frailty and reduced physical activity, they determined that cardiometabolic disease, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, obesity, reduced muscle mass, known as sarcopenia, mm-hmm. and reduced bone mass, known as osteoporosis, mm-hmm. Can all be directly related to dysbiosis and dun, 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 lack of metabolites. I'm loving that these people are realizing that the dysbiosis results in inflammation and there's no metabolites to decrease the inflammation. You know, what's kind of interesting is uh, as people have kind of dug into this subject matter of, of postbiotics, and I, it may have been Chris Kresser who wrote this, um, but highlighted that nutrition traditionally was always focused on the mineral aspects of what we would glean from food. So for instance, bone health, calcium, right? Proteins for meat, different, different things like that. Um, anyway, so he said the, the reduction of that without realizing the importance of these other cascades of postbiotics of what helps direct the best use of those things is, was an ignorant position. Yeah. So um, I guess it's kind of interesting to listen to us talk about things like butyrate and all of the other postbiotics and how they allow the correct processes to happen. Because 
it's uh, if we have too much inflammation, then ultimately your tissues, and this includes bones, can't necessarily use the right balance between phosphorus and calcium to have good bone health, right? So I guess what, where I'm going with that is you have to have the right things in check, even though you could be consuming all of the calcium possible if you don't have the membrane or the, the mm, colon in good yeah. health, you wouldn't be able to make best use of it. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Chris is a pretty smart guy. So when he hears this, he's like, that's not how I said it. But that, that's not how he said it at all. And he's probably going to say, no, Eric, I read that from somebody else. <laughs> and it wasn't me who said that in any way. All right. So now the question is, does dysbiosis cause aging or does an aging immune system cause dysbiosis? I'm almost going to say the first. So, in 2016, a bunch of really smart Harvard mm. scientists. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I said it in their vernacular. It's, I'm, yeah, threw, I'm talking about Harvard. Yeah, you threw an extra, yeah, w, an extra w in there yeah, for the art. Harvard scientists published a paper in Cell, which... If you listen to Huberman, he's always like, one of the premier journals, Cell. So whenever there's a premier journal, I will let you know. And that's not S-E-L-L, that's that's C-E-L-L. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's uh, Harvard with a W, which is like the knockoff Harvard school, <laughs> and Cell. Yeah. <laughs> S-E-L-L. How, yeah, how, how to move products. <laughs> All right. It's a super, super, super complex article, and it was um, nauseating to read. It was pretty impressive that that, that people that are that smart are out there. But basically, in a nutshell, this is what they concluded. Those that had dysbiosis had an angry immune response releasing pro-inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha. Mm -hmm. That's um, not how they said it, um, and I interpreted it this way. And those with a good microbial diversity and increased good bacteria had a controlled immune response with elevated levels of metabolites like butyrate. So now I will quote them because that was my interpretation. This observation suggests that modulation of host defense by the microbiota may be exerted mainly through the release of metabolites. We're back to metabolites again. Yeah, but I, thought, I like your interpretation better than the way they wrote it. Yeah. Um, if you look back on episode 49 when we had Dr. Sylvia Molino on and she we were discussing her paper on the metabolites of quebracho and chestnut mm -hmm. and she showed that the increase in butyrate in addition to the other smaller phenolic compounds like quercetin and green tea actually happen. And so... I really am very proud of the fact that a lot of these studies are now saying things that we've been saying for years. Yeah, well, heck yeah. There's got to be a reason why people respond so well. Yeah. So, we get that. We get that you need a proper microbiome. We get that the way to get these metabolites is to give your microbiome what it wants, which is large, stable polyphenols and fiber. So something that gets missed a lot, and I get this from patients all the time. I just had it with a patient today. You have to have the right microbiome to take advantage of both your food and supplements. Yes. And what I mean by that is that I have patients all the time that they turn over New Leaf and they're like, I'm going to start eating healthy. And they come in and they're like, I feel like shit. Yeah. They're like I went whatever their version of healthy is. I decided to go vegetarian or I decided to go Mediterranean and I feel worse than I did when I was eating McDonald's. And that's something interesting because what I have to tell them is, okay, what that tells me is your microbiome is not prepared to break down these complex things. You have trained your microbiome to be narrow 
And the key is to have the microbiome to unlock the benefits of having a diet like this. And it works both ways. You have to have the right fuel for your microbiome. So if you have your microbiome and you start giving it shitty food, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to get the benefit, right? And in fact, you'll probably narrow your microbiome over time, like my patients, where then they struggle when they try and eat good food. And then you have to have the right microbiome to use the right fuel. So good food into bad microbiome results in bad symptoms, Yep. increased gas and everything. And so I think um, the analogy that uh, you and I were talking about would be like pulling up a large you know, diesel truck into a Tesla charging station, you've got a right fuel, mm-hmm. wrong microbiome, or vice versa, pulling a Tesla into a diesel station, you've got the right microbiome, but you start trying to give it bad fuel. Right. And so you need both of those to, to go in. So the ultimate thing is, how do you keep your microbiome healthy? And this is the last part of this, and it's one of those things where it's probably the simplest thing it kind of comes down to that 80-20 rule. It's just you you do the right foundational things. We've talked about this on this longevity series, but you need the proper foundation. You're not going to have a good microbiome unless you sleep. Your own microbiome has its own circadian rhythm. So unfortunately, if you're a shift worker, you may be messing up your microbiome. And I understand we have a lot of shift workers in healthcare and things like that, but that cannot be avoided. So thank you for doing all that. But um, you have to kind of work around that to make sure your eating cycle coincides with your microbiome. So you got to sleep, you got to exercise. As you exercise, you improve microbial diversity. We talked about on the fasting episode that when you fast, you improve your microbial diversity. And we did a whole socialization episode. As it turns out, when you socialize, you share microbiome, uh, whether you want to or not. And so when you're socializing, you're producing endogenous hormones and things like that, but you're also improving your microbial diversity by being around other people. Uh, when we when we were discussing this and I was on that panel um, with uh, Dr. Emil and Katie Wells, a wellness mama, and somebody asked that question and, you know, he's just this big, super handsome buff guy. And I was like, <laughs> started rubbing up against him. I'm like, I'm going to try and get some of this muscly microbiome over here. So, um, so if you do that as your baseline, then it comes down to, all right, well, I already do all that. I'm trying to work on all those kind of things. So now how do I really kick it up a notch? And this is the part where you have control over complete control over because what we have found in all these studies where they're talking the metabolites and when you have the right microbiome, you have to feed your microbiome what it wants. And what that is is fiber and polyphenols, complex polyphenols. But what we now know is that the large complex polyphenols are what produces the most metabolites. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, Dr. Sylvia Molino has another study that I didn't reference here where she took human subjects and she showed the dramatic increase in butyrate production by giving chestnut and cabracho. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, she was able to show that these large stable polyphenols. And so the the larger the polyphenol, the more complex it is, the higher likelihood that it's going to be able to improve microbial diversity while also allowing for a greater production of metabolites. Knowing this is the exact reason why we worked to develop Atrantil Pro. After we got into the science through Atrantil, one of the things I realized was all these people that are trying to, in fact, people that sometimes people take Atrantil and they feel more gassy and bloated. And I believe it's because their body 
their microbiome is not ready to break down these polyphenols. There's a specific enzyme for that. Mm -hmm. So we worked with the PhDs at Microbiome Labs, and they came up with is what is the perfect uh, spore-based biotic, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, that specifically has the enzymes known as tannase, that it rides with atrantil down into the colon, where then it can start breaking the polyphenol down into smaller phenolic compounds so that your own bacteria has an easier time of breaking it down to give more metabolites. So the reality is it's like the first step, the hardest step is being handled when you have Atrontil Pro. Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, that, well, it's, it's kind of interesting because those who benefit the most from Atrontil is it regular, they're benefiting precisely by what you said. There has to be some element of a tannase or an or an equal style enzyme to make most use of the cabracho that's in there. And that's what I feel like has been kind of an eye-opening experience is how well people have responded to pro beyond those who we already had such a great response with Atrontil. It seems like that we've, we've been able to find a, a, a better lever for those who maybe just were slow responders to Atrontil itself. Yeah, and we're getting this out to healthcare providers. And the reason why that we really want to make sure that it's healthcare provider, because it requires this level of education. Definitely. For, to understand. So basically, by taking Pro, it ensures that even if you don't have the optimal microbiome, you can at least get a significant amount of the benefits until your microbiome catches up. And I say that because what I tell my patients is, if you've eaten McDonald's for 10 years, You've narrowed your microbial diversity to this. That's a very inflammatory diet. When you try and eat whole foods and you feel worse, that just means that over time, you will improve that microbial diversity to the point where you can eat this. And I get that with patients. They're like, you know, three months in, they're like, I'm feeling a little bit better than I did two weeks in and then six months in. It's the same thing. You never worked out before. You go to the gym. You try and do too much. You're so sore you can't get off the toilet the next day. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever done squats that much where you're just like, oh, boy. Have you seen how thick my legs are? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're training your microbiome to become diversified. That's what all of this is about. You train your microbiome. The microbiome is another organ, just like the liver and the brain and kidneys, So you want to make sure that you get the best benefit from it. So basically to summarize this, don't let your microbiome get old or you will get old. Feed your microbiome what it wants, which is large complex polyphenols and fiber. And without the right combination of both the fuel and microbial diversity, it's an uphill battle. And taking all the supplements and everything that you want, you may not even be getting any of the benefits. And the key to this is that it's the metabolites. These different studies have shown over and over again that the metabolites are the real reason for the benefits. Uh, Number one, it's a fantastic presentation on why it matters to have a diverse uh, microbiome. Uh, Quick question. Would you say, since you referenced dysbiosis a few minutes ago, that a narrow band or a lack of diversity would be, uh, would also kind of qualify as a style of dysbiosis? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would. I think that by- We kind of talked about them in two different segments. Yeah, I'm kind of referencing them as good and bad, but by having a narrow, Mm -hmm. um, I think that the way that the good bacteria makes sure, if you have enough good bacteria, they are into making sure that there's a microbial diversity. If you have a 
bad bacteria, Clostridium difficile, mm-hmm. they want to wipe all the other bacteria out. Yes. So it seems like that the bad bacteria have a propensity to try and phase out the good bacteria. So narrow essentially means bad. Sure. Now that make that makes sense to me uh, from that perspective. And then I don't know if you want to add this on there, but uh, just in a short summary, why is it that we we tend to lean more into spore based? Uh, probiotic delivery than than maybe some other traditional that people have heard before. So the whole concept of probiotics, if you're taking probiotics and you like it, keep taking it. That's awesome. But I always kind of joke around that if probiotics worked, I probably wouldn't have much of a practice because that by the time people come to me t- as a gastroenterologist, they've taken 20 different kinds. I had a patient today who said, well, I, I'm taking this really expensive one because it has to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do you find yeah. it odd that if you have to refrigerate it because it can't survive room temperature, do you think it's going to survive 98.4 degrees and stomach acid and pancreatic juice? And she kind of went, huh? Because I think she spent a lot of money on it. Sure. So the bottom line is the, the clinical trials have shown that when you try and see if the bacteria, if a probiotic can survive all the way to the colon, it appears that it's, it really doesn't. Um, there may be some benefit in the upper gastrointestinal tract, but in the paper, in the population that I see that have SIBO, which is bacteria growing up high, taking probiotics actually makes it worse. So, because you're adding fuel to the fire. Right. So by having a spore based, and what that means is bacteria have ways of surviving. And when a bacteria is able to be a spore former, traditionally soil based bacteria can do this. What they do is they can survive anything, heat, cold, acid, whatever. And then, but when the environment's right, they have the signaling and it goes, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. And they start waking up. And we did a whole episode of this with Dr. Kieran Krishnan. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what episode that was, but he went into great detail about that. And that's something you can look back at our prior episodes where we talk about the science of that. But the reason why we're believers in spore-based biotics is because of that one thing. It's the only probiotic that has actually been shown to be able to make it to the colon to help do the things like improve microbial diversity, to help do the things to make sure that you have the type of bacteria that can produce the metabolites that we're looking for. And they've got the science for it. And that's how come we teamed up with their scientists at Microbiome Labs to help develop this proprietary combination just for Atrantil. Yeah. I Frankly, I think this is a fascinating topic. Uh, the, uh, the balance between gut immune system and brain, I think is, uh, we're only at the, at the very beginning of really understanding how well they communicate with each other. And honestly, if you look at like the gut and the brain, one of the most important neurotransmitters just being serotonin and how important it is simply to both of them to make certain that that neurotransmitter is produced both to make certain that you have good gut health and movement and motility and good regulation through serotonin and good mood so that you don't have depressive issues, et cetera. You have to have serotonin available. So there are many, many other examples just like that that work with all three systems. Yeah. And I think it's really kind of cool to see how they all kind of fit together rather than just saying, eat fruit, eat vegetables, eat fiber. Yeah. They're good for you. Well, I think now we're starting to understand a little bit more of why. Yeah. And I think that what, um, you know, one of the things... I had to write out the acronym here. Mm-hmm. My son Lucas came up with this when, when we were talking about this. He's like, wow, it almost seems like you should wear one of those bracelets. You remember the old, what would Jesus do? Yeah. WWJD. Yeah. It, it, you should look down and go, uh, what WWMMS, what would my microbiome say? 
what would my microbiome say? So when you're about ready to crack open, you're a little tired, and you're going to crack open your Red Bull C4 energy drink, and you read that and you go, oh, it's something that it didn't even get into in this about things to avoid because it's a whole separate deal. We're just trying to focus on the positive here. Sucralose and artificial sweetener and other artificial sweeteners have been shown to decrease microbial diversity. So what would my microbiome say before you crack that open and do that? If you go, well, I'm going to stay up um, for a couple more hours and just scroll through Reddit, what would my microbiome say? I'm going to, I've worked so hard to um, try and eat this healthy diet. I'm feeling good for the first time. You know what? I'm going to binge and I'm going to eat a bunch of packaged foods that has emulsifiers in it that has high fructose corn syrup, which have all been shown to narrow your microbial diversity and uh, play into that. Remember, the food industry is not stupid. They understand that if you can take more of the things that they're giving you, like these emulsifiers and like certain sugars, like the high fructose corn syrup, your microbiome will want more of that. Yeah, It actually sends signals to your brain. So next time you're um, about ready to do something, what would my microbiome say? Your microbiome's looking at you going like, no. Um, and then on top of that, next time you're having like a bad day or something and somebody calls you out and be like, I'm sorry, I've got a little microbial lack of diversity going on. I feel a little war going on. So just bear with me till I get it back to its appropriate diversity. They won't believe you, but it'll probably be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Did you poop yourself? Yeah. Sounds like you need new pants. <laughs> well, that's probably, uh, so there's a lot of science there. I hope. I hope you all got something out of that. And, you know, the bottom line, you can do the foundational stuff that we talked about. Consider complex polyphenols like Atrantil. Take it up to the next notch and do Atrantil Pro. And you can get that at from your healthcare provider. Or you can go to kbmdhealth.com because I am a healthcare provider and I want you to have proper microbial diversity and bathe your brain in butyrate. Yeah, it feels good. It really does. Well, this is going to conclude episode number 79. And this is, I think, our fifth in the longevity and health span series that we've been uh, cranking out. And we'll culminate here pretty soon. But um, anything to add for this particular section of just the only thing I want to add is we really appreciate all the feedback and every time um, people interact with us, it helps us dive into stuff like this. So interact with us, um, like share the usual things, but mostly if you want, go to either kennethbrownmd.com where you can sign up for uh, our newsletters where we talk about things like this. You can interact or go to kbmdhealth.com. You can sign up as well. We're trying to make sure that we give important information like this that you, sometimes we're trying to find the stuff that people aren't talking about, and this is one of them. Definitely. And every show that we've done to date has been archived on that show. So we've had a few emails uh, since the last show of how do I find X, Y, and D, uh, X, Y, and Z show or category. Uh, thanks to Stephen, we've been able to... Uh, build out some categories where people can navigate a little quicker uh, to find a particular style of show that we've done in the past. So go to kbmdhealth.com. You can also go down to podcasts. Takes you straight to all of the archives of the shows of Gut Check Project and all of them currently right now are free for you to go back, rewatch, or send us an email and ask us a question. Sweet. That's going to do it for episode number 79. Thank you all so much for joining the Gut Check Project. Please like and share, and we will see you next time. Take care. 
That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.